Hey, Victory. Hey, guys. Hey, we got family from Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, and Ukraine. Woo! Joining us today. What's up? And as well as the nooks and crannies of Atlanta. Hey, welcome out. Um, this is our third week of our series, but really, um, you know, honestly, calling it a series is too small because this is really week three of like a 52 plus week journey uh, that God has set us on. Because this last August, God gave me two words that have kind of been giving form and function to the direction that, that God is leading us forward. And those two words, if you're with us for the first time, are emancipating grace. Greatness. Just in the middle of the night, I was praying and God spoke these two words. And God, through these two words, is beginning to lead us forward into the future of what he has for us here. And here's the idea of emancipating greatness, is that God wants to emancipate. God wants to liberate and loose and free and send everything that he's put in you. That what God put in you, he wants to get it out of you. All right, so obviously the question is this, what did he put in us? And the answer is this, he put himself in us. So we find it all the way back here at Genesis 1:27. It says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That God created you and I in his own image. That he put unique gifts and talents and abilities and dreams and passions and callings inside every single one of us. And God did that because of the next verse, Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Everybody say that with me. Be fruitful and multiply. Come on online. Be fruitful and multiply. What are we supposed to do? Fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And here's what we're discovering, is that it's always been God's plan since the very beginning to rule the world in partnership with his people. That what God dreamed of from the very beginning is he wants to put his image, himself, his gifts, his greatness on the inside of us, and then to scatter us across the earth that we would be fruitful and multiply so that his glory would cover the earth like the waters cover the seas, that God inexplicably wants to partner with people like me and people like you, right? Come on, guys. This is like you going to a pickup basketball game and LeBron picks you, right, to be on the two and two squad. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, what, yes, you. I know it don't make sense, but that's what God, this is the beauty. This is the grandeur. This is how amazing God is, that God chose us to partner with us to rule and to reign this world, which is crazy, and where, where sin came in and polluted his image, it's almost like I get this, this mental image of like just this, this, this dirt and this garbage and all this stuff on his image on the inside of us. Where sin came in to do that, Jesus come, came to restore the image. And in John 10, 10, Jesus says it like this. He says that the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I have come that they might have life and life to the fullest. Come on, somebody, life to the fullest, that Jesus didn't just come to forgive. Jesus came so we could live. And I think too many of us, we settled for this really small Christianity. We have settled for a Sunday and heaven sort of Christianity instead of an everyday sort of life to the fullest. How many of you want to have life to the fullest? Come on, like this is, this is, that is emancipating greatness. This is God's plan for every single one of us. But so that this whole thing won't turn into a self-help seminar, right? Or an episode of Oprah. Last week, what we did is we spent last week 
what we called it, just redefining greatness. And here's what I would call greatness. Here's my humble definition. Greatness is living confident in who God made me to be using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me. That word confident and the word gifts are so important. Greatness is living confident. How many of you, man, you wanna be confident. I wanna be not just alive, I wanna be fully alive. I wanna be confident in who God made me to be using the unique gifts, using his greatness that he put in me for his glory around me, that it's not my greatness. I am a jar of clay, but God has put greatness on the inside of me. Right, and what he's put in me, he wants to get it out of me. And so if you're talking about life to the fullest, if you're talking about joy and significance, if you're talking about actually looking forward to getting up out of the bed in the morning every once in a while, then I invite you to join us on this journey of emancipating greatness. That this is a journey of growing, of Genesis 127, Genesis 128. This is a journey of growing in God's image and then being fruitful and multiplying. That God has for every single one of us a life of growing and reproducing, right? Growing in God, growing to be more Christ-like, growing in our, in our knowledge, our discovery of the gifts and of, of what God put in us and what he wants to do in the world. And then boom, getting to the point of letting that, what's, what's developed on the inside of us, come to the outside of us to reproduce in the world around us. That we're not just a disciple, now we're making disciples. That we're increasing God's glory in every single place that we go, that we're using the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God put on the inside of us, not just to make a buck, but to increase his glory, that everywhere we go, that the kingdom of heaven comes because we're locking arms with the Holy Spirit to go do signs and wonders and miracles for his glory in the world around us, living not just a life of success, but a life of significance, leaving a legacy, leaving a mark, hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we finally see him face to face. That's the life that I want. That's the life that I want. That's a life of emancipating greatness. That's a life of growing and reproducing. Genesis 127, Genesis 128. Growing and reproducing. And all the way back here, right? Page one of Genesis one, God gives us what is called the principle of reproduction. See if you can find it. Genesis 1:11. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. Did you catch it? Did you catch the principle of reproduction? You should have, because I bolded it. <laughs> All right, the principle of reproduction is this, is that things have a tendency to reproduce after their own kind, right? 10 times in Genesis 1, it says that seeds will reproduce after their own kind. In other words, if you plant rice, you're not gonna get monkeys. You won't be surprised, right? Oh, how did that get there? It doesn't work like that. If a, if a human has a baby, it won't be a grasshopper, right? Right? Because a seed reproduces after its own kind. You plant rice, you're gonna get rice. If a dog has a baby, it's gonna be a dog. If a human has a baby, it's probably gonna be a human, right? Not gonna be an antelope. You're not gonna be, oh, what? what? What, what, a seed will reproduce after its own kind. And so what happens is God has given us the ability to reproduce after our own kind. Some of you know this firsthand, right? Because you had a baby and it just so happens that that baby kind of looks like you. Crazy, right? Because a seed reproduces after its own kind. Now listen, here's the interesting thing about reproduction. 
I guarantee you that your child doesn't just kind of look a little bit like you. They probably kind of look a little bit like you, right? Like they kind of act a little bit like you. I remember the first time uh, that I really discovered this, okay? So I was driving down the interstate, I-85. Nobody likes that. Okay, so driving down, hit traffic, and Jeremiah, my oldest son, he was little, probably like five years old, okay? And so we hit some traffic, and I remember from the back, from the car seat, what I, what I hear is, move over, you idiot! And I'm like, boy, I will... Like trying to, you know, do, why in the world I will beat that out of you? You'll never say that ever again. You're like, oh, wait a second. I say that <laughs> way too much. <laughs> and he picked up on it and he's like, this is just what you do in traffic. You just yell at people because they're all idiots except for me, right? And I've discovered this. This is just kind of a little parenting hack. All right, ready for this? Um, you can't spank yourself out of your child. Because here's the principle, okay? Is you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Why? Because a seed reproduces after its own kind. And you can tell your kids all you want to, what to do. But you will reproduce who you are. Because they're watching you. They're getting you more than they're getting your words. Right? And I'm just, come on, I'm gonna step on some toes real quick. We, we have people here, like I talk to parents sometimes, and they're like, I bring my kid to youth group, but they're still acting a fool. What's the deal? And I'm like, do you, re like, do you really wanna know what? The, the problem is, you bring them to youth group, and then they go home. And there are environments at home and friends at home, and things that are allowed at home, and there are parents at home who say one thing and do another that shape and form and reproduce into the next generation a direction that's away from God, right? I talk to parents that are like, oh, little Billy's smoking. Can you tell him not to do that? I don't bring him to youth group for nothing, right? Or your, your daughter's asking, acting promiscuous and you bring her to a pastor to try and fix her. And you're like, hey, what's home life like? Well, me and my boyfriend, we're, we've been living together for about 12 years, but will you tell her to stop being sexually immoral? Listen, we can talk all day long, but we don't reproduce what we talk. We reproduce who we are because its seed reproduces after its own kind. Because in the same way that there is a physical DNA transfer, there is also a spiritual DNA transfer, that we don't just physically reproduce ourselves. The reality is we also spiritually reproduce ourselves, and a seed will reproduce after its own kind. So I've got bad news and good news, okay? I'll give you the bad news first, okay? Bad news is this. If you are fearful, you will reproduce fear into those you influence. If you are angry, you will reproduce anger into the world around you. If you are unforgiving, do not be surprised when your kids have unforgiveness, many times towards you. But the good news is this. The good news is this. If a seed reproduces after its own kind, an unhealthy seed reproduces unhealth, then if you have hope, 
you will reproduce hope in the world around you. If you have joy, you will reproduce joy in the world around you. If you have peace, you'll reproduce peace. If you have love, you will reproduce love in the world around you. Come on, get a vision for this. Can you imagine being somebody who carries the kingdom of love into your workplace? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being somebody who has the gifts that you have, but instead of those gifts being tainted by fear, they're, they're, they're blessed by love and joy and peace so they get out of you in a healthy way. Can you imagine bringing life and love, the kingdom of heaven everywhere that you go, where people love having you around because when you're around, life and love are in the room because a seed reproduces after its own kind. A seed reproduces. So as we begin, listen, as we begin this journey of emancipating greatness, one of the things at the very top of our list that we have to pay attention to is health. Because we, what God wants to do, he wants to get what's in you out of you. Now here's the problem. If what's in you is unhealthy, then when you reproduce, you will reproduce unhealth. But if what's in you is healthy, then when you re grow and reproduce, then what you'll do is you'll fill the world, the world that God has planted you in. You'll fill the world with the life and the love, the power of God. So one of our top priorities this next year has to be health. So in 2019, rewind back to the year before the year that we don't talk about anymore. <laughs> the year we don't mention anymore, 2020. Um, I remember at the beginning of that year, I was praying and I just said, God, what, do you have anything you wanna tell me about this year? And he said this. He said, Johnson, I want you to spend this year, 2019, he said, I want you to spend this year getting as healthy as you possibly can. And I was like, like running laps? No, clearly. <laughs> um, a little bit of that. Come on, physical health is of some use, but spiritual health, infinite use. He said, I want you to spend this next year, 2019, getting as healthy as you possibly can on the inside. And I didn't know that. I didn't know what was coming. But God had me spend 2019 getting healthy, and I believe that that's why I personally and my family was able to go through 2020 with the strength that we did because of what God had prepared in us in 2019. And hear me right when I say this. I don't say this pridefully because, li listen, I have not arrived. <laughs> I am so weak and fragile and frail. I am like a brittle jar of clay, right? But I believe that what God did in me in creating a degree of health on the inside of me, that now he's able to start using me to reproduce health in the world around me. And God doesn't just want that for me. God wants that for every single one of us. So as we're on this journey, we have to press into health. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Listen, this is the problem with people, okay, is that people don't want to talk about health because the glory is not in health. The glory is in climbing the mountain, getting the job done, and storming the castle, right? The but here, could it be? 1 Samuel 16, right? What we talked about last week. Could it be that God doesn't look at the same thing man looks at? Could it be that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, and so we don't want to talk about the inside. We don't even want to face the inside because the inside's a little ugly, but I can put on a nice show out here. But the reality is this, guys. The glory is in the inner life, not in the outer life. It starts here. 
All right. And if this doesn't get healthy, then when we reproduce, we're going to reproduce unhealthy. But we live in a world where everyone looks at what you're doing, not who you're being. But we have to be the people that before we do, we be. Before we do, we be. Because when we reproduce, we want to reproduce healthy. But the problem is this. The hustle, right? The hustle to get it done, the grind, like do work and do the grind. Like the hustle can be exhilarating. But the health can be excruciating. It can be painful to get healthy because there's some stuff in there that we're just used to ignoring, right? We're just used to living life and, you know, like some of it, like we put on all our makeup today, right? Unless you're online, you know, you didn't put on any makeup, you haven't even brushed your teeth. So wearing the clothes you wore like eight days ago, right? Everybody here, you at least took a little step, right? It's much easier to make this up than to make this up. But because we ignore the heart, because we ignore health, we don't make it to the end. And this is why leaders and megachurch pastors are falling like flies, right? Because we focus on the outside instead of focusing on the health on the inside. And I don't know about you though, I wanna run the race and I wanna finish well. I wanna finish well. So on this journey of emancipating greatness, the journey of being image bearers, the journey of, being, of growing and being fruitful and multiplying, the first thing that we have to look at is actually being healthy. Mm. And to that, Jesus tells an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's found here in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse three. It says that Jesus told many stories in the form of parables. Now pause right there, let's leave that up there. Parables, that, uh, that, that's a really key word. Lots of us, we've heard about parables if we grew up in church. But parable in the Greek, that's the language of the New Testament. Parable in Greek comes from two Greek words, para and balo. So para means alongside and balo means to throw. So a parable means to throw alongside. And the whole idea of a parable is this, is you take a truth that you do know and you throw a truth that you don't know alongside it. So in other words, it's a this is like that sort of a story. And Jesus was excellent at parables. And the context is he's telling parables because he used to just speak very straightforward and then everybody wanted to kill him. But he said, hey, there's a lot of truth that still needs to get out, so I'm gonna start speaking in parables before I go to the cross, okay? So he's, he's telling a story and throwing alongside it a kingdom truth such as this one. He says, listen. Listen, that word in the Greek, again, it means behold. So what he's saying is, don't just kind of casually listen. No, he says, open up your mind's eye, visualize this. So as we, as we read this, visualize what it actually looks like. Here's what he says. Listen, behold. A farmer went out to plant some seeds, and he scattered them across his field, and some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And so Jesus is telling this parable, this story, and uh, the original audience, these people, they understood it. They lived in a farming society, right? And so there was numerous different types of, of farming, but this was called broadcast sowing, where basically a farmer would strap a bag of seed over their shoulder and just reach in and throw it out. They would walk around their property, just throw it out. And the seed's gonna land wherever it's going to land, right? 
And here's what Jesus is starting to say. He says that the seed is good, okay? All the seed is good. The problem isn't with the seed. But as it goes out, it starts landing on different types of soil. And depending on the type of soil that that seed hits determines whether or not that seed lives or dies. And he says, in fact, there's such a crazy good type of soil that when the seed that the farmer is sowing hits it, it isn't just one-to-one. It actually bears a harvest 30, 60, 100 times what was planted. Can you imagine putting one of something in and getting 100 of it out? He said, there's actually a type of soil that will give a one to 100 type of return. And so the disciples are listening and they're like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, huh? Like, I know that, all right, it's good. And then they're like, uh, is that the end of the story? Like, are we, are we just going to lunch now? Like, is there more? Is there, do you wanna expound on that a little bit, Jesus? And Jesus expounds. Verse 18, he says, now listen once again to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. He said the the seed that fell on the footpath, everybody say footpath. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed, like the birds, that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil, everybody say rocky soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And the seed that fell among the thorns, everybody say thorns. The seed that fell among the the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, everybody say, thank God for good soil. It represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So like a master storyteller, Jesus tells the story and says, this is actually like that. Because I told a story that you do know and I threw some gospel truth right alongside it. It parallels, this is like that. So he says, the seed I was talking about isn't seed. It's actually the message of the kingdom. And the message of the kingdom is about salvation, but the message of the kingdom of God is the truth of God, the word of God, the will of God, what God says about you, what God says about your gifts, what God wants to do inside this world. That is the message. That's the seed of the kingdom. And he says, I wasn't just telling a story about four types of soil. I was telling a story about four types of hearts and how they relate to the message of the kingdom. And he says, so this parable at the end of the day, it's really about preparing your heart to grow what God has given you. Do you hear me? I'm, I'm gonna say it again. What the story Jesus is telling, Matthew 13, parable of the sower, as the seed goes out, it hits four different types of soil. This story, the reason why Jesus tells this is because we need to spend time preparing our hearts to handle what God has put in it. And he says there's four different types of soil. There's actually four different types of hearts. Here's the first type of heart. The first one is this, is footpath. The footpath. See, Jesus says there's a type of heart that's like a beaten down path. You ever walked on a path, like out in the woods? right, or in a park or something like that. Like everything is lush, it's green, right? And then there's just this barren path in the middle of it all. 
And Jesus says, some people's hearts are like that. They're this beaten down path. In fact, I'd say this, some of you are here today, some of you are online, and your heart has been beaten down by life, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you prayed and mom still died. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe life has been hard. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe a church leader abused you. So I'm talking right now, but you ain't having none of this, right? Because, because maybe our ears are open, but our heart is closed. And so what happens is the word gets sown and it goes in, but it just sits right on top. It doesn't actually get in. And this is what the Bible again and again and again and again and again calls a hard heart, a hard heart. And so maybe our, our heart gets hard because of hurt, our heart can also be hard because of arrogance. Come on, somebody. We live in an arrogant world right now. Have you ever seen people be so arrogant and cocky and self-assured because they all live on social media? These are the people who comment on your post. Well, actually, who are you? I don't even know you, right? And you just trudge in, you slide into my DMs. Like, come on, somebody. Who are you? Because we're so arrogant, we're so self-assured, right? And so it is, the word goes out, but I don't need that. I got this thing figured out. I don't need God, right? I don't need this word. Is it, this is kind of like, what, if you have a teenager, come on, anybody got a teenager? You ever tried to tell your teenager something? And they're like, oh, I know. I gotta figure it out. I don't need you, right? I, my life is so different than yours was, right? And so you tell them and they're like, whatever. And then they go do it anyways. And then they tragically screw it up. And then they come back and they're like, ah, why didn't somebody tell me? And you're like, I did tell you, you idiot. I feel like sometimes God's like, really? Really? You think you, you, think you don't need this, Right? Let me, let me show you chapter verse. Oh, you don't need that? Okay, well, just go ahead and screw it up. All right, and then when you're ready to come back. Because what happens is our, our ears are open, but our heart is shut. This happens every single Sunday. The word goes out, the seed is sown. Even right now, the seed is being sown. Maybe you were in church last week, somewhere else. The seed is sown and the word of God is like a seed. And what happens is it lands on hard hearts and it can't get in. It's a heart that says, I think I can do this on my own. It's a heart that says, no, God's not real. I doubt it, whatever that is. I'm just gonna figure this thing out. And what happens is, it's a heart that even like Jesus says, it's a heart that says, I don't understand this. But at the end of the day, I don't really wanna understand it. And so as soon as the word goes in our ears, it sits on our hearts and the enemy comes to steal it. Because here's what I've discovered about this, guys. The enemy believes in the power of what God wants to do in your life, even if you don't. The enemy believes in the power of what God wants to do in your life, even if you don't. And I found this out, guys. If you wanna have a hard heart, the enemy will help you have a hard heart because the enemy believes in the power of God's word. You better believe that demons believe in Jesus and they're terrified. But if you don't, that makes hell really happy. And there's a type of heart that's like a footpath. And the second type of heart is like rocks, rocky. Not the good type of rocky, not dun, 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 no. No, like rocky soil, like rocks in the soil. And what happens is this, this is, this is where the word gets in, but it doesn't get deep because it hits obstructions in the heart. It hits obstructions. And this happens every single Sunday too. 
Because there are people here, okay, and this is, this is what Jesus says. There are people here who you're hearing this and you're like, yes, yes, two scoops, yes. I like that, I like how he said that. Yes, I like that verse, That's, I'm gonna put that on my fridge, right? Like, yes, and you get all excited about it. But then you have to go home and live it and it doesn't really work out. Right, because in here, you're like, yes, yes. Then you go back into your environment and you're, you start hitting problems, you start hitting persecution and the word just shrivels up. Because it may have been really excited on the outside, but the roots were only half an inch deep. It's really excited, but it doesn't have the sustenance. It doesn't have the roots deep enough to be able to sustain the scorching sun of life. And what happens is, these, these, listen, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people at the church down the street. These are the people, the, the rocky soil type of people. These are the people who take tons of notes on Sunday and never touch them again. These are the people who like repent with tears Sunday morning and watch porn Sunday night. These are the people who are in here and you're like, you're all about tithing and being generous. Yeah, and then you go home and look at your bank account and you're like, well, I ain't doing that. I gotta save up from some J's, man. Like, I got things to do. These are the people who shout Jesus on Sunday morning, but whisper him on Monday afternoon at work because they don't know if people around them really like that name. And we worship really loud when we're, when we're with God's people. But as soon as problems come in, we lose faith and we blame God and we walk away. So here's the question. Here's the question. Do I have an excited faith or a deep faith? Do I have an excited faith or a deep? Listen, I'm all about being excited. I'm an excitable guy. Doesn't take much, right? I like being excited. But listen, if I have to pick, which by the way, you don't, but if I had to pick, I have to pick being deep. Because you can be excited for a day, but is your excitement going to sustain you when persecution hits? Oh, you're really excited, but then the government starts doing whatever. Your friends start saying whatever, right? Mom does this, right? You lose your job. Are you excited anymore? Do you have roots that go deep enough to sustain you when the excitement isn't there anymore? And if you don't, it's because you have rocks in your heart. Here's the third type of soil, thorns. Now here's the deal with thorns. Thorns are probably like the most deceptive type of soil, okay? I'm a green thumb guy, I like working in the yard. Um, and, and this is the visual image that I get. Have you ever seen like a big plant over a little plant, right, growing over? And you just know, you're like, oh man, I feel so sorry for you. You don't stand a chance. Right, Because the big plant is blocking everything that that little plant needs to thrive. And this is what God says many of our hearts are like. A while back, I went to, to Home Depot, and because I'm a yard guy, I got some hydrangeas. I know that my cool factor just went way down. Right? Um, and they're big, like they're, they're these like little green bushes, these big flowers, like this big on them, okay? And I was like, that'll look awesome in my yard, right? And so I got several of them, and I put them in place, and like two weeks later, the flowers were gone, and they never came back. <laughs> and I'm like, you're terrible. Why are you even here? 
right? But if you get a, a bush to have flowers and it doesn't have flowers, why do you got a bush? Get rid of it, right? In fact, Jesus tells a little story about that. If you're supposed to bear fruit and you don't bear fruit, sometimes that has to go. And so what happened was I, I discovered this and I was just like, man, I'm an idiot. I can't believe that I did this. I know better than this. I went outside and I had this big tree and I thought, I'll get these hydrangeas and I'll put it around it and it'll look really nice. Except what happened was that big tree was blocking the sun and it was blocking the rain. It was keeping what, what those bushes needed to thrive from ever getting to them. And this is what Jesus says. Many of our hearts are like, let me ask you a question. What in your life is blocking your sun and stealing your rain so you can't blossom for God. And Jesus tells us there's two types of things. I mean, listen, come on. God in the flesh tells the answer. He said, what blocks your sun? What blocks your rain? What keeps you from actually producing a harvest? He says two things. The love of money and the desire for other things. The love of money and distractions. The top two things God says will choke out and keep you from ever thriving. Yeah, you'll be there. Yeah, you'll be born again, but you won't ever do anything significant for God because you got one eye on the kingdom and one eye on money. And you got one eye on the kingdom. You got one eye on Jesus and the other eye chasing that girl. And the other eye trying to climb the corporate ladder. And the other eye trying to take the kids from A to B to C to D, all these sorts of things. And we live this Martha life instead of the Mary life, which is the only necessary thing. And what God says himself, he says, listen, you will be alive. You'll get into heaven, but you'll never live life to the fullest unless you actually deal with the thorns that are choking out and keeping you from getting what God wants to give you. You have a toxic soil on the inside. But then there's the fourth type of soil, the fourth type of heart, which is the good soil heart. Come on, somebody. There is hope. <laughs> there is hope. And this is the heart that is, that is soft, that is tilled, that's fertile, that's water, that's sunlit, right? That's fertilized, that has everything that it needs to produce 30, 60, 100-fold return. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I, like I said, I love doing yard work. Not for you, for me. Like, I don't, I'm not coming to your house. So I like doing yard work in my own yard. And I, I, I was thinking about this because I've always liked this. What I love, I, th I think sometimes we romanticize the Garden of Eden. We think it was like all perfect and God made Adam and Eve and he just put them there and they're like, well, I guess it's all done. Like how boring would that be? Right? Come on, just imagine this. Imagine the Garden of Eden is great, but it's a mess. Now, Adam's like, all right, I got some work to do. And it's joyful. It's God-inspired sort of work. So what I love, I love taking something that's a little wild and unproductive. I love taking it and forming it and seeing it go from black and white to color. I love that, okay? But when you move to Georgia, it's difficult. If anybody knows, if you've ever tried to do something in your house, right? You better have like a sledgehammer to try and do anything in this ground. Because especially in Georgia, you walk out and you get this thing called Georgia clay, which is red concrete that God put in your yard. <laughs> and the first thing you have to do is this. I, I have to do this. I hate this. This is the miserable part. Whenever you're starting something, I get a pickaxe. And you gotta boom, boom, boom. You have to break up the ground because nothing is getting into that ground in the state that it's in right now. And Jesus says the same thing's true with your heart. 
The only way a hard heart will ever receive what God wants to do is if that heart gets broken. And I know that sounds terrible, but one of the most beautiful things that God can do is to wound us, to bring our sinfulness out to full view. That God wounds us because he loves us. And he see, listen, if you're in here and you have a hard heart, God loves you enough to snatch you off the path. You're about to drive off a cliff and everybody around you is like, oh, go for it, man. Firm you. That's your truth. Well, your truth is you're about to go to hell. And God loves you enough to wound you, to break that heart, to cause you pain so that you might be able to receive what he wants to do for the salvation of your soul and for the glory of God in the world around you. Ezekiel 36. I believe that this is what God wants to do in some of us today. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That is God's kindness to take out of us a heart of stone and to give us a heart that feels again. Come on, somebody, how many of you want to feel again? Come on, like, like you want God, but you don't want God, but you want God, but you don't want God, right? And what God wants to do, he wants to break through that today. And it might hurt, there might be some tears with it, but it's gonna be a transformation that will bear fruit and it'll be glorious in the long run. And what happens is as soon as I break through that ground with, with the pickaxe, I then have to get in there because I'm hitting it and at first it's dunk, dunk, then it's tink because now there's a rock on the inside. And I know I gotta get that rock out because if I put a plant on a rock, the roots won't be able to grow. And when the sun gets hot, it's just gonna wither away. And so I gotta start getting in there and getting the rocks out. And what Jesus is saying is this, we have to get to the place where we clear out everything so our roots can sink deep. So when the sun starts scorching, in other words, when the problems and the persecution comes, we can still be found standing because our roots are deep into the word of God. Because listen, if your roots are like this, the problems and persecution will burn you up and you won't make it in the long run. But God's kind enough to allow us to sink our roots deep into something that's beneath the surface, which is his life. And here's what he says, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I wanna sink my roots deep into the word of God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water guess what, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. In other words, if you're like a tree planted by water, it can be a million degrees out there, but you're gonna be okay because your roots are deep. And you're not, listen, listen, you're not trying to get life from out here. You've already got life in God. And so the whole world, listen, imagine this crazy scenario. Politics go crazy. I know we can't even imagine that. Just imagine politics go crazy. So everybody's losing their minds. But you've got something that nobody else sees because your roots are deep down into life-giving water. You're not waiting for a president to give you life. Jesus has already given you life. So everything can fall apart around you, but you're not the one falling apart, right? Because I've cleared it all out. 
And then there's thorns, right? Um, you got to get in. You got to get rid of all that. So Summer and I, uh, recently we moved into a new home. And um, uh, back behind our house, there's a little bit of like raw woods. And I say raw woods because if you've never been in like, if you've been in like a park, Right? You try and do 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 in raw woods. You're like, oh God, I, oh God, right? Because there's like vines and thorns. I walk back there. There's like monkeys swinging from the trees. I'm like, am I in the Amazon? I was just wild, right? And so I don't like that because I like bringing order to what I have, right? I want to see this thing come alive. And so we get this crazy idea. So the week of Christmas, I went to Home Depot and I rented a bush hogger. Some of you are like, what's a bush hogger? It's not a little pig that you release and just eats everything. No, what it is, it's this giant machine with this huge swirling blade on it, which I'm sure has killed thousands of people. I'm sure there's lawsuits like crazy. And it's this little tank that basically you're like, and it's, and it just starts killing everything in its way. And so I'm running this thing through. I'm cutting down the vines. I'm cutting down the thorns. Oh, we did this for like eight hours. It was terrible. By the time we're done, my hands are raw, my body's sore, I'm cut by all the thorns, like cut on my face, like vines are wrapped around my leg, I'm filled, it's terrible. But I went back inside, I kid you not, I went back inside and I said, thank you God for this living example of what it's like to try and get rid of thorns. Because I tell you this, getting rid of the thorns in your heart Maybe one of the most painful things you've ever had to do. Listen, you, you try and kill the love of money in your life, that's gonna hurt because we like our stuff. Listen, you, you, you wanna cut out the things that are, that are keeping you from growing in God? That might mean that you have to change your job. Uh, I'd rather not do that. And so what happens is we stay small and immature in God our whole life because we're letting everything else crowd out the glory of what he wants to shine on us. And it keeps our heart from being good soil. So what we have to do, we have to relentlessly attack anything that's trying to crowd out or pollute our lives. We have to set our face like flint to be diligent about this. Hebrews 12 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so what it does, it produces this healthy heart at the end of the day. And the healthy heart is the heart that's ready for whatever God wants to do. It's the heart that's been tilled. The hardness has been tilled by the power of the Holy Spirit. The rocks of immaturity have been pulled out. All the thorns of distraction have been ripped away. And the heart that's healthy has access, come on, has access to the sunshine of intimacy with Jesus Christ. It has its roots deep down into the waters of the word of God. It has the fertilizer of fellowship with God's people who are going to bless you instead of curse you, who are going to lift you up instead of tear you down. And it creates this good soil so much that what God put in us gets out of us. But it's not one-to-one. With good soil, what God puts in you gets exponential. So God may have given you one gift, but there's going to be a 30, 60, 100-fold explosion of that in the world around you. God may have put one gospel inside you, but you're going to lead 30, 60, 100 people to Jesus 
Christ. God may have given you one child, but that one child is going to be 30, 60, 100 times better than you ever were because with your life, you attacked and killed the, 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 the attack that was against their life. The generational curse on them has been broken and now generational blessing is being imparted into them. Why? Because a seed will reproduce after its own kind. That what God put in you, he wants to get it out of you. So he wants what he put in you to find healthy soil. Because what he says over and over and over again, listen, Jesus, Matthew 13, parable of the sower. He says, the problem is not with the seed. The seed is good. The problem, if it hits a problem, is with the soil. The problem is always gonna be with the soil. The seed is good. What makes the difference in the harvest is the soil. And what God wants to do, what God wants to do is good in our lives. Listen, this isn't because of me, I'm a jar of clay, but the sermons you hear, the truth is good. What you read in the scriptures, it's good. The truth God tells you in prayer, it's good. The gifts God put in you are good. The dreams God put in you are good. The calling God put on your life, it's good. What God wants to do in the world around you, it's good. The future he has for you is good. But if those seeds do not find good, healthy soil in your heart, it will never reproduce in the world around you for the glory of God. And what God wants to do is take his gifts, his passions and abilities, throw them into you where they would find good soil and they would start to reproduce. Because here's what happens. When good seeds find good soil, it produces a good harvest. When healthy seeds find a healthy heart, it produces a healthy harvest. That's what God wants for our lives, for our soil of our heart to be healthy. So when the healthy seeds have a healthy heart, it produces a healthy harvest. But we're gonna have to do the heavy work of healing to get there. It's gonna take some work, guys. We're gonna have to get rid of the hardness and the rocks and the vines and the hurt and the pain and the trauma and the unforgiveness and the addiction and the, the selfishness and the love of money and the self-hatred and the self-protection and the self-hatred uh, and the depression and the suicidal stuff. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna have to work through that mess to create a healthy scenario inside our hearts so that when God puts those healthy seeds on the inside of us, they're gonna reproduce in a healthy way because the seed reproduces after its own kind. So... Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. On our journey of emancipating greatness, I'm excited that next year, everybody say next year. Next year is gonna be all about reproducing. Next year, it's gonna be all about, listen, God willing, next year, we're gonna plan a new campus. God willing, next year, we're, we're gonna start some house churches and some of you are gonna be leading them. God willing, next year, we're gonna see more people get saved through this church and through you going out into the world than we've ever experienced in the history of victory. God willing, next year, you're gonna see your gifts and your talents and your abilities and your dreams and your calling start to come alive in a way you've never experienced before, next year. But if next year we're gonna reproduce, then this year we're gonna have to get healthy. This year, we're gonna have to get healthy so that when it comes time to reproduce next year, we're gonna reproduce health. So I wanna invite you here and online, view this year as your year of, you ever been on, on an airplane, right? And they say, hey, if the oxygen mask, what are you supposed to do? Put it on yourself first so then you can help others. 
I want us to begin saying, God, I, I need you to do a work inside me because other people's health depends on that. If, if, if you're a lady, you ever tried to get pregnant, right? Before you try to get pregnant, they give you prenatal vitamins. This year is our prenatal vitamins in God so that we can reproduce healthy next year. But you're gonna have to commit to the journey. Listen, a journey of getting healthy in God is not a, well, I, I go to church once a month, right? Listen, you need to be here. You need, you need to be here, right? Whenever you miss, you gotta get right back on it, right? Get right back on the horse because you gotta let the word of God sink deep down inside us. So I'm gonna ask you this question, okay? And then we'll close. I'll ask you this question. You have to answer this. Please don't answer it out loud. Do I wanna be healthy? Because the knee jerk is obviously, yes, yes, obviously, yes, I wanna be healthy. It's gonna take some work. It's gonna hurt. But let me ask you a question right behind that. What hinges on your health? Who hinges on your health? The next generation, your kids, salvation of your neighbors, the revival of your family, your workplace, your own joy in God. And so what we have to do, we have to say, God, do a work inside me. Begin tilling the soil. Begin getting the rocks out. God, I commit to partner with you to get rid of all the distractions. And I believe that as we do that over this next year, this is what makes me so excited, that those gifts, those talents, those abilities, the word, the promise, the prophecy, whatever God has spoken, those seeds that have been sown, as this starts getting healthy, you're gonna see those seeds start going. And as you go throughout this year, you're gonna start seeing this growth that happens on the inside of you because good soil, good seeds hit good soil and it's starting to grow. And I'm telling you, as we go throughout this year, going into next year, what I'm so excited about is to see each one of you begin producing, not one-to-one, -one, but a 30, 60, 100-fold exponential of what God has done in you. You're gonna reproduce it in the world around you. And let me tell you, I'm here for it. Man, I'm here for it. I don't know if you're here for it. I'm here for it. And I'm excited about what God is gonna do as he emancipates the greatness that he's put inside you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Oh, Father, I, I confess this, is that um, all four types of soil are in every single one of our hearts. <laughs> There are areas of us that are hard, there's areas of us that are rocky, there's areas that have thorns, and there's areas that are good soil. And what we want, God, is our greatest desire is that all of us would be good soil, be healthy soil, so that what you've put inside us would begin reproducing, growing and reproducing into the world around us. I even pray this, Father, I pray that you would give a vision to each person here under the sound of my voice of what a healthy future, a healthy heart looks like in God. God began to resurrect some of those dreams. We didn't even think that that was possible. We thought we had done this or that had happened to us, and so we can never do what God has called us to do. God, I pray that you would begin resurrecting those things because all things are possible with God. 
But here's what I wanna do before we even take another step. I acknowledge that in some of us, there, there are hard spots, there's rocky spots, there's thorny spots, there's good spots, but some of us, our whole heart is hard. And so as the word is being spoken, as the seeds are being thrown out, cast out today, they're kinda of going in your ear and they're hitting your heart. But I believe this right now, that God is starting to spark something on the inside of you. That, that hardness of heart is starting to shake and tremble and quiver. Because God alone is the one who can change the heart. And I believe this, we read it a second ago. I believe that for, for some of us, even right now in this moment, God wants to take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh that feels again, loves again, that is born again, that's alive and filled with love. You can never do it for yourself, but God will do it for you. What it takes is our yes, and even your yes was put there by the grace of God. So if you're in a place right now where you wanna to respond to that, say, I've had hardness of heart, but today God's calling me, I feel this, I want this, I want Jesus. I wanna, I wanna pray with you, and I want you to invite, invite you to pray with me, and I want you to invite you to repeat after me and pray like this, say, Jesus, thank you for coming to make a way where there was no way. I couldn't live on my own, but you made a way. Right now, God, take my stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh that feels again. I repent for my wicked way and my broken path, and I turn to you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins so I could live and be fully alive. God, I want that life. Forgive me, make me new, bring me into your family, and I live for you all the days of my life. God, we worship you. God, let's just do this. Let's do this across this room. Let's do it in our homes. As a sign of surrender, let's just lift up our hands. Say, God, we're not holding anything back. God, begin to remove those, those rocky parts of our heart that are worried about persecution or distracted by problems or money or people, whatever that is, God. We wanna, we wanna have a healthy heart that takes what you put in us, gets it out of us to the world around us. But God, even right now in this moment, there's some things that we're gonna have to surrender. There's some things that we're gonna have to lay down and let go of. And I pray, God, that you would give us strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to choose health in God, in Jesus' name. So here's what we're gonna do, okay? Kim's team, they're gonna lead some worship one more time. And I just wanna invite you to, to stand to your feet and worship. Um, others of you, you may wanna kneel, just get in whatever posture you need to get in. And we're, what we're just simply gonna sing is, God, I surrender. Whatever you're holding on to today, if you're like this today, begin to open up and saying, God, you have access to all of me. In Jesus' name, amen.